Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, what's up? Hello, you guys. Welcome to In the Room, a wrestling podcast from the Des Moines Register. I'm Cody Goodwin, the Register's wrestling writer, and I am glad you are here. Got a fun show for you guys today. Been a while since we last talked, but the UWW Cadet World Team Trials are set for this weekend in Wisconsin, where the nation's best high school wrestlers are going to compete for spots on the Cadet World Team. They will then go compete at the Cadet World Championships, which runs July 19th through the 25th later this summer in Budapest. We'll decide our men's freestyle and Greco-Roman Cadet World Teams Greco runs on Friday, and then Freestyle has both Saturday and Sunday up in the Dells, and then we will decide our women's freestyle team next month down in Texas. There are a bunch of Iowa guys competing in Wisconsin this weekend, and not only that, but there's a handful that have legitimate shots to make the team, guys. I'm talking about Southeast Polk's Nate Jessaroga, Underwood's Gable Porter, Ryder Block and Aiden Riggins, both from Waverly Shell Rock, Lynn Mars, Tate Knockaborn, Iowa City High's Ben Keeter, and so many others. The last time Iowa had representation on the cadet world team was back in 2014 that was when carter happel made the freestyle team and then both drew west and ethan anderson made the greco team seven years later there's a reasonable chance that as many as five or six iowa guys could make the team and rep the united states later this summer pretty damn cool if you ask me that sounds pretty ambitious as well since there's only 10 spots and i just said five or six which is obviously half or more um but let me, that's what today's show's about. Um, I'm not just kind of talking off the dome here. There's there's an actual legitimate possibility that some of these guys can, you know, reinforce what we already know, right? I mean, a lot of us already know that guys like, you know, Ryder Block, Nate Jessaroga, Ben Keeter, Nakaborn, Riggins, Gable Porter even. A lot of us who watch these guys up close regularly know that these are some of the best wrestlers in the country. This weekend is an opportunity for them to, you know, reinforce that idea, right? To prove it again, to prove it to the rest of the country, what we already know, right? Um, And to get you guys ready for the action-packed weekend of wrestling, I linked up with Willie Saylor of Matt Scouts and Intermat to talk about this weekend. Um, He calls the UWW Cadet World Team Trials his favorite age-level wrestling tournament, maybe his favorite tournament ever. And so I got to pick his brain a little bit about what he's looking for as he does his rankings and gathers recruiting intel, um, you know, why this tournament is so special, what it has meant to kind of the rise overall of USA Wrestling virtually at every age level. And then, of course, we also talk about the Iowa guys and their chances at making the team. It was a great conversation. I always love chatting with Willie. He was very gracious with his time and his insight into what to expect this coming weekend. And spoiler alert, guys, he's he is also, just like me, very high on the fact that these Iowa guys have a very good shot to make the team. But that's enough of me blabbering. Let's cue up that transition music and we'll get to that conversation now with Willie Saylor, the Matt Scout himself, talking Iowa wrestling at the Cadet World Team Trials. I hope you guys enjoy.
We are here with Willie Saylor, the Matt Scout himself. Nobody knows high school wrestling better, although I would counter that maybe, maybe I know Iowa high school wrestling as well as this guy does. He's <laughs> laughing right now. Um, but Willie, let me start here, man. UWW Cadet, World Team Trials, UWW 15s, um, you know, futures going on this weekend. Um, I know we're going to spend a lot of this conversation about cadets, but let me start here, man. What, in, maybe, in your eyes, what makes this tournament so special, man? I think that it's, well, it's for a world team. And it's also, I think, where I think where youth wrestling meets high school, right? They've been going around. They've been doing this um, Tulsa, Reno, AAU circuit, Super 32 middle school. And now they kind of really hit the high school level. And it's all, all these kids, like, you know, it, it becomes a virtual who's who of, uh, you know, almost Oracle-ish. Like, these are going to be the next – these are going to be the next good ones, you know, um, two years ago, because last year we didn't have it. Uh, well, two or three years ago. I mean, Abe Asad beats Carter Storaki in uh, the semifinals, right? I think it was like 2-2 two, two or 4-4 four, four or something like that. Um, you know, it's just a couple years later, Storaki's winning the national title as a freshman. I mean, these guys are the ones that go on to great success and, it all starts. It all starts at the cadet trials. It's sort of their breakout moment, and and that's where you kind of know. That's where you kind of first identify them. Hundred percent. Yeah, and I think what this is. I think they reinstated the cadet world championships in twenty eleven. Does that sound right? Twenty eleven. I believe it was. Um, I'm going to say twelve or thirteen years. Um, they didn't have a cadet worlds, and. Then they came back in 2011, and I think, I think it's helped reinforce wrestling in America and at the at the youth level because um, these kids now have a real aspiration. All right, it, it, it's neat to go and win Akron every year, or Fargo every year, or Super 32 every year, but now. In conjunction with the senior level being reinvigorated, right, when Jordan Burroughs is going to win medals and Kyle Diggs winning medals and David Taylor's winning medals, and these 11-year-olds are seeing that, then they're going to go try to make a world team as a cadet. And then when the Cadet Worlds was reinstated, then we have this just a movement of cadets where – Spencer Lee's winning gold. Dayton Fix is winning gold. Um, Yanni Dakamahalas is winning gold. Gable Stevenson's winning gold. Um, and so maybe Dayton and Spencer were looking at Jordan Burroughs and those type of guys, and then they went and did it themselves. And now we have a new batch of 13, 14, 15-year-olds that were looking at Spencer, right? And now they want to do that. And so I, I think it's this uh, – um, I, I think it's really encouraging and I think it's, it's makes the kids strive to do something now. No, I agree with that. And it's funny that, you know, 2011 was the year they brought cadets back. Cause that was the year Jordan broke out, right. JB broke out, won his first world title. And it was no. just like this perfect rustling storm in America where it's like, Oh, Hey, JB's doing that. Oh, 
the, you know, the, these young guys in Nebraska and Iowa and Pennsylvania and Ohio and all across the country can go do that too at their own age level. And that has kind of snowballed over the last decade. And now we boom, Gable Stevenson's on the Olympic team. Right. And I think, I think too, um, it helps, you know, you make the cadet team and you go to a camp in Colorado Springs and then you fly overseas and you start getting your feet wet with these international trips. Maybe 25 years ago, they used to have these overseas camps and trips and you'd go over and you'd be in Russia or Ukraine and, and there was these Esquire tours and uh, they call them something like Mondial tours or something like that. Well, they don't really exist anymore. So now when, you know, these kids get their feet wet, just the experience of not only competing, but traveling, getting on a plane, uh, you know, going to the OTC and training and, and watching Kyle Dake prepare and maybe even going to Pan Am's and just, you know, traveling to Central America or Brazil or something. It's just, it gets them in the pipeline and it gets them sort of acclimated. And sure, not everybody that makes a cadet team is going to be an Olympian, but some of them will, and that helps it down the line, you know? hundred percent. Yeah. Well, and that was the other thing too, is that like, you know, the, there will be teams that come out of this, right. The, the cadet freestyling Greco team, the 15 U freestyling Greco teams, um, you know, and, and they're going to get a lot out of the experience that they will have earned. But, but I mean, also for you, this is a huge event when it comes to, you know, the rankings and actually, you know, scouting these guys. And also, you yeah. know, I, coaches from all over the country are going to be paying attention too, because, you know, a lot of these guys are sophomores, so they're going to be able to get phone calls here starting in about, a, you know, couple months here some of these guys are juniors so that's going to set up their ability to take visits or where they visit depending on how they perform um you know how big this is gonna sound like a really dumb question because you and I probably already know the answer you more than me but like how big of an opportunity is it for these guys to come here and even if they don't make the team to just perform right yeah I mean there's there's guys that don't um place here that their stock rises regardless because coaches watch tape of them or coaches watch from the stands. Um, and, and in my, in my mind too, um, you know, there's guys that lose in the blood round that uh, I know are going to come back, back strong. And you see it every year, somebody in Akron goes four and two, but you, you caught a moment of something you liked what they did and you keep them in the back of your mind to rank later or, or, you know, to serve as a data point. And then oftentimes a couple weeks later, a couple months later, they go to junior duels or they go to Fargo and you're like, okay, yeah, there's a glimpse. And, you know, they, they don't place at the trials, but then at Fargo, they take third, you know? So, um, and it's good just to get back. I, I don't know. I'm for your, for your enthusiasm for the sport or your mental health or whatever, you know, it's like, it's like, there's been pockets of wrestling. Like I watched just about every match of the Iowa state tournament and I watched the Pennsylvania state tournament and you watch little stuff here and there, but there's nothing quite like being in the arena and being that side and, and um, seeing how kids behave and, and how they act and react and getting, you know, um, a, 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 just a random conversation where you talk to a coach and you get little tidbits about this and that. And, and you, and you use that to help guide your decisions when you rank or you, uh, you know, are making an assessment about a kid. Yeah. What do you look for 
specifically, or is there like a checklist of things that you look for when you're watching all these kids and all these matches this weekend? Um, you know, wins and losses are obviously the first thing, but beyond that, um, you know, you look for athleticism. Um, I mean, I do. And I, I like, I like to look for guys that are honestly guys that are improvising. Like uh, I watched Antrell Taylor last night to ult- or last weekend at the ultimate duels and he tried something and the guy countered. Uh, it was actually against Siebel and um, Antrell Taylor just basically made something up and made it work, you know? <laughs> and so, <laughs> yeah. And so, I like, I like wrestlers that have a feel um, because let's face it at this age, you could be at, at the high school level, you could be coached up that you already hit your maximum potential, right? You see it happen all the time. Um, guys from like, let's say, let's say Blair and Sam, they're coaching so good. They're wrestling the best schedule. They have the best practice partners. Uh, and when they're in high school, they're ranked third, but they're pretty much tapped out because they've been, they've had the opportunity to have the best of everything. Right. And I'm not saying that they're exclusively at Blair and Sam, there's obviously plenty of guys that have gone on that weren't tapped out, but you know, on a case by case basis, um, sometimes they are, you know, and I think, I think by looking for guys that sort of have a way to improvise or have that little something extra, you know, that, you know, that they're not winning simply because (laughs) they have the best coaches on a day-to-day basis. Right. For sure. Um, With that in mind, um, that these, these traits that you look for, um, you know, and other wrestlers that you're just probably excited to watch either for the first time or again, because you went to the ultimate club duels. Um, we obviously focus here on a lot of the kids in Iowa. Um, and I may allude to this at the start of the show that it, sure. there are quite a few kids that could potentially make the teams. And you touched on Jake Knight at U15. And, um, you know, I look more at the cadet side of things because that's where all these high school guys are. Um, I, is that, it, I, that seems, that seems weird, right? That like, you know, oh, hey, yeah, I, I, in casual passing, four or five Iowa guys could potentially, you know, get to the finals, maybe make the team. But like, it's like, that's it. looking at the list of names here, that doesn't seem like crazy, right? Or am I crazy? No, no, I don't think, I don't think it's crazy to suggest that Iowa could put four on the team. Now, there's only 10 weights. Um, putting four on the team is highly unusual but Iowa has that kind of class this year. Yeah. The, uh, the, and, and one of the reasons that I also wanted to get you on the show here and, or just, you know, pick your brain about is that, you know, and I've been trying yeah. to have this conversation with you for a while. is just the, the overall talent in the state of Iowa, right? It seems like it has made drastic jumps in the last few years specifically with, you know, guys like Drake Ayala and Caleb Rachi and, you know, Hunter Garvin coming through with this next class that's, you know, guys that are about to be seniors. And we're going to see a couple of them compete this weekend with guys like Aiden Riggins and Bradley Hill and, and a few more. Um, I, I, just counted, we... I just counted. I have six Iowa guys in the top four. 
at their weight. That's that's pretty good. Like that's pretty that's good. pretty good, right? <laughs> like when was the last time we could say that there's six Iowa guys in the top four of an age level world team trial event? Like I feel like it's been a long time, if not ever. Yeah, I'd have to look back. I have the records. I started keeping the records when they were reinstated in 2011. But I would say, you know, I would guess that there's never been a year in which a state put four on on one style. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I was right in the thick of things this year. And um, I don't think Pennsylvania has some guys. Uh, Illinois, I don't believe, is quite where they used to be. I mean, they're still very good, but I don't think they have that class this year. And so, uh, Iowa, yeah, Iowa, I would say has the potential to lead the country in how many guys they put on the cadet team. Yeah. This, I, what do you credit that rise to? Cause they, I, it seems like really, I mean, I, I, I guess I'm, I'm kind of fortunate to be in this job at the time that I'm in this job. Cause I've gotten to see a lot of really, really good high school wrestling over the last few years, but yeah. just that it wasn't always that way. Right. We didn't always have guys that were ranked number one in the country. We didn't have multiple guys ranked in the top 15 at the same weight. What do you, I get, what do you credit this rise in talent that in the state of Iowa to? Well, I think there's two things. I, I think I was always been one of the best States, although it's, well, actually, when I first started getting into wrestling media, I don't know, 2008 or something like that, there was a really good crop then. Um, and I, I feel like – I could be wrong, but I feel like they might have had more ranked guys then than they do now. Um, but then it kind of ebbed off, and it, it kind of – and it kind of um, – I don't know. It, there wasn't as many ranked guys, and maybe – Maybe you could say there wasn't even a whole lot of quality at a couple spots. I mean, there was a couple years there where um, there I don't know if there was uh, an Iowa esque Iowa Iowa State esque level of recruit. Um, so there were some dry years, but I, I tell you, recently I spent a lot of time in Iowa and going to different clubs and being around different parents and stuff. And there is a real, I think the clubs, that's where it's at. I think the clubs are doing a really great job, whether that's, you know, now people get mad at me if I don't mention their club, but I, you know, it's obviously Seabolt does good. Um, um, Dylan Carew's doing good. There, there's a ton of good clubs in Iowa. And I think that's probably a reason for the resurgence. Yeah. Why do you think it's maybe taken so long for some of these clubs to, 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 to kind of help, get the state back, you know, into this conversation where there's multiple guys who could make the team this weekend? Yeah. You know what? I mean, that's a good question. I, I say, I say the clubs, but clubs have always, clubs have been around for 20 years, 30 years. Uh, I, I, I don't know, but I just know when I'm in the room and among the kids and, and um, I just feel like they get elevated Um I feel like, especially with Seabolt, you know, I'm, I'm kind of partial to Seabolt right now because, frankly, I've been around him the last three weeks. Um, but, you know, in Pennsylvania, too, with the M2 guys and, and, and different pockets there, you can tell that they fight for each other, you know, and they have so much great talent. I was talking about Blair and Sem earlier, uh, 
having great practice partners. And, you know, Sebo gets kids to drive two hours to and from practice every night. And, and there's state champs wrestling state champs. Um, and that obviously, obviously makes you better. Um, you see, you, you know, you see often a lot of times where you'll see a good 138 pounder and a good 126 pounder and the 132 is like not not bad he's okay right but by the time he's a senior he's like contending for state titles because he's been working out with the 45 or you know the 38 and the 26 pounder the whole time and so i don't know when you get that amount of talent in the room it kind of lifts all boats 100 percent, yeah no, just seeing that, you know, I, you know, I mean, you can't hit it on the head with Seabold and, and Big Game, which is where Carew's at out in Coralville. Um, mm-hmm. You know, those are those are kind of the two premier clubs right now that that seem to, you know, Big Game had they had a tremendous, you know, cadet and junior folk style national championships up in Cedar Falls. They put a handful of guys in the finals. They had a handful of guys win titles. Um, yeah. You know, Seabold, I, Seabold impressed a lot of people that maybe didn't know much about him or about Iowa's club scene when they went out to the ultimate club duels because they, you know, I mean, that was basically, you know, all but maybe a wait or two of fully homegrown Seabold club kids and they finished third and, you know, were a whisker away from being in the finals and probably winning the whole thing. Right. Right. Um, yeah, it was utterly impressive. And, uh, I don't know, maybe eight years ago, seven years ago, I came out with a list of, um, and you know what? It, it, it kind of surprised me back then because usually I have a pretty good idea of what's going to pop content wise and what's not. And, and I did a list of best high school clubs in America and freaking people loved it. And I was like, really you guys thought this was cool all right (laughs) great that's great uh people loved it and um but i haven't done it since just because i felt it would be repetitive uh like i said things are cyclical so back then you know seven eight years ago uh i had jody strip matters young guns number one club in the country and i thought you know if i would do it the next year it'd probably be the same thing and so i wanted to wait a while but i think now it's time to revisit that and i don't just knee-jerk reaction. I don't see any way that Seabolt is not the number one team in the country, the number one club in the country right now. I, in terms of overall depth, I think that's what a lot of people, you know, I, people were texting me or, or sending me messages just like, hey, like that's overall depth pound for pound. I it didn't yeah. look like there was a better team at Ultimate Club. I know they took third, but at Ultimate Club duels than, than Team Seabolt. You know, I know M2 ended up beating them, but it was like, woo. Like yeah. that was, I, I would personally, as somebody who lives in Iowa and I've been in and around that Seabolt room quite a bit over the last year and a half, just writing stories on their kids and getting to know TJ and those parents. Like I went up to legends of gold with them last summer and yeah. just hung out and watched them wrestle for a few days. Like it was like, just super glad that that team and those kids and that family and that, you know, that I, they call themselves a family. They, you know, just everybody involved with that program is getting the recognition that they rightfully deserve. Um, it's been, yeah. it's been really cool to kind of see people, you know, say, Oh, wow. Tell me more about the Seabolt family. Like, yeah, let, let me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's really cool. It's really cool. And, and deservedly so, you know, um, back when young guns was, the big name on the scene uh and i had him number one they were the same way you know 
very, very tight knit, very family oriented, had a good group of supportive parents around. Um, and they were tight and they fought for each other and they fought in the room. And, and that's the same thing I'm seeing with Seabolt right now. You know, I'm around, um, Sam Ayala and Mr. Rachi and, you know, on, on down the line of these parents, um, Mr. Brett Peterson, Hawken Peterson's dad, who's all the way from Wisconsin. I mean, these guys are great and, and they're tight knit. Yeah, no, been very, very impressive to, to see them and get to know them a lot more. And I'm, obviously you've been enjoying it as well too. Um, and it's funny that that's, you know, who we're talking about. And, and, you know, we mentioned big game as well. There's a lot of Seabolt kids that are like, you know, oh, who are the Iowa kids that could potentially make the team? It's like, you look at, you know, the guys that are competing and that are on the list. And I know that I, I, I have a full list here of all the guys, but I, you know, kind of earmarked, you know, Hey, that's a guy who could make a run. That's a guy who could make a run. A lot of Seabolt kids, a lot of big game kids um, to transition, I guess, into this weekend on, on the cadet side of things of the Iowa guys that you picked to contend for either top four or potentially to make the team. Who, who do you think has the best chance or who do you think are the guys that maybe have the best chance to make the team? Well, I, you know, I, I don't think you can count out um, Aiden Riggins. I don't think that it would be smart to count out a guy that just beat Rachi twice, you know? Um, that being said, it's a monster weight. When you get to 71 and 80, they're like three weights, four weights condensed into one, like three or four folk style weight classes. Um, so it is deep. You got Levi Haynes, who was a super 32 runner up. You got Antrell Taylor, who was a Fargo runner up. Um, and I, I think you would go Josh Barr and Aiden Riggins right in that, in that same kind of level. Um, so I think Aiden Riggins is, is a, for sure one of the clearest contenders. Um, and you cannot convince me otherwise that Ryder Block is not in that stratosphere now. Um, you know, a kid that went from 106 to 126 and 132, and uh, he just had a phenomenal weekend at Ultimate Duels. Um, and I, I, he he got a lot of he got a little um, he got a little dog in him. Like he got a little like I don't. I don't care who I'm wrestling. I don't even care who I'm wrestling. I'm going to win. I really like that about him. Yeah, no, those, those guys that up at Waverly shell rock, they are, they've been tough, man. I mean, that's, those, they are the three time defending large class state champs here in the state of Iowa. And it's, it's funny. You brought up Riggins and block. Those are two guys that I've marked off. Um, you know, they got a couple others in the mix, Jake Walker, McCray Haggerty. I'm not sure where they stack up at those weights at 92 and 110 kilos. I just I just ranked him nationally. Have him at twenty fifth at one eighty two. Yeah, yeah. I know he's a little young, but uh, I'm, I'm. He was one guy that I liked watching at the state tournament. Um, he's he's tough. That, he's I really, that I really hadn't known before, to be honest. Yeah, he what he beat Joaquin Griffin Gamble, who I think you you've probably seen him a few different times. Um, he yeah. beat him in the state yeah. finals. So. Yeah, yeah. Gamo, I believe, beat Trey Kybe. He Virginia, did. Virginia Tech commit this weekend. So, yeah, that's what got – it kind of – you know, I was looking at 
Gamble's case to be in, and I went back and reviewed it. I was like, oh, McCray Haggerty beat him, so I put McCray in instead. Yeah, no, Haggerty beat him, I believe, twice. He beat him at the at the Bettendorf tournament that I was at earlier this year, and then he beat him in state finals. So um, both close back and forth matches. I mean, those are two tough kids. They're they're kind of similar in terms of build. We're getting into the nitty gritty now of Iowa high school wrestling, but these <laughs> they're it's basically you know that Spider Man meme where they're pointing at each other like that's yeah. how I that matchup between Gamble and Haggerty. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, okay. So I think Ed, I was kind of dancing around the obvious. I mean, the obvious one is Jezeroga, right? Yeah. Jezeroga has a real shot to make the team. He's probably, in my opinion, he's the highest likelihood to make the, to make the team. I, you know, if you go through each way and you say, who, who can be Aiden Riggins and who can be um, and who can beat Ryder Block and who can beat Ben Keeter? Um, I could say, well, my head wouldn't explode if this guy beat him or this guy beat him or he took a loss to that guy because there's really a whole lot of guys there. Well, Jezeroga at 51 kilograms, if if other than two guys, yes, my head would explode if he lost to anybody else other than those two people. Who are the two guys? So, well, I would say Mark Anthony McGowan, who's already a cadet world champion. Um, right. You know, he uh, he's proven he won this tournament before and he won worlds before. So I think I think he is um, one guy that I wouldn't be entirely surprised by. And then probably Dalton Perry. Jezeroga just beat him. It was a 3-1 just, match at Ultimate Duels. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there's a couple other good – Drew Heathius from Michigan and Alan Kohler but, uh, from Minnesota, but um, I, I, I would take Nathan all day. So um, I think that's the clearest picture. I think that's the clearest path to I would get a guy on the team. Yeah, for sure. No, I, when I was looking at this list, Nate just – really, I think it's more his wrestling style that kind of gives me confidence to be like, oh, yeah, for sure he could make this team. Just real high pace, very, very technically oriented. Um, you know, I think if you ask Seabolt and, and Adam Fellers, who's coaches, they'd probably like to see him shoot a little bit more, but that's, you know, that's that's just always their mindset, yeah. right? But, yeah, yeah. I, I, just Nate's wrestling style kind of lends itself to – you know, not just making this team, but, you know, if he does make the team, I, I think I would feel pretty good about him. Yeah. Winning, yeah. winning a handful of matches overseas, right. Potentially running for a medal. Um, yeah. You mentioned Aiden Riggins. I, what maybe gives me confidence about that dude is that, you know, he's always had the, like the technique and the motor, right. Cause I, what, it was a couple years ago, he was in the finals for 15 U. Um, so, you know, that's a guy that's, that's been right there. Um, you know, he, it took until this year for him to finally break out and win a state title. And, and he did at a pretty tough weight. Like he, I mean, you mentioned him beating Rachi twice, um, you know, and he oh. beat him in two different matches. If that kind of makes sense. The first time they, they didn't really care to feel each other out. They were just throwing caution on the wind, scoring points. Yeah, the second yeah. time, the second time there was a lot more strategy involved and Riggins still found a way to crack the code and take him down in the third period. Yeah. Um, but what I think what really gives me confidence about Riggins is just he's added muscle to his technique. Like he's always you know, high motor, very technically sound. Now he's got the, you know, in the handful of times I got to watch him this year, he gets to a leg. He does not let it go now. Was he, um, was he another one like block? Maybe I'm not recalling this correctly, but was he another one like block that shot up in weight pretty quick? Oh, yeah, they were. So yeah. they, 
back to back, what Riggins was a 106 pounder. Then he jumped to 32. Then he jumped okay. to 52 block is it was, went six to 32. And then he'll probably stay around 32, 38. I don't know what's in the water in Waverly, but it makes kids grow. Yeah. <laughs> we've all, we've all seen McCray Haggerty, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, like, I didn't know. I, I, I'm very curious to see how Riggins does this weekend, just because, you know, his strength obviously played a huge factor in his matches against Rachi and, and this season in general, right? He went 31 and 0, but how does it, how does it help him out on this level, right? On, on guys that want to go international and be, you know, be the best in the nation at their age. That's, I'm very curious to see that when it comes to Riggins. For sure. For sure. Me too. Um, Cause frankly, I mean, I knew of Riggins. He was definitely on my radar, but to, uh, to me, my mind melted a little bit when, when he beat Rachi. And then when he did it the second time, I was like, okay, he's legit. <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, and it's funny you, it's funny you mentioned that because when I was talking to um, his coach, Eric Whitcomb at Waverly Shell Rock, after he beat Rachi the first time, I was, I was like, it was one of those where it was just like, bear with me. I'm going to explain this and maybe it'll make sense. You know, do, do you feel like people maybe forgot about Aiden Riggins yet because he hasn't won a state title. And then he yeah. comes out and does this to, to Caleb Rachi. And he was yeah. like, no, I think people know who Aiden Riggins is. And in the back of my mind, I'm like, they do now. I hope they didn't forget. Um, but then, yeah. you know, obviously he ran the table and won a tough weight and beat Rachi again. And, and now I think people could really, you know, he could really, and he's one of those kids that I think from Iowa, even though we know who he is, he could really make some noise nationally with a really strong performance this weekend. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad they all spread out, to be honest with you. There was a moment of time, maybe a year or two ago, where I could not keep the Iowa 106ers straight. I was like, <laughs> Marcel Lopez and Ryder Block and Ed Riggins. And to me, they were all, I, I couldn't keep them straight. Now they spread out a little bit. I, I, I got them in order a little bit. Yeah, they're always a handful of like Iowa's best guys usually start somewhere between 6, 13. And I guess some of them started at 120. I know that was when Hunter Garvin was a freshman. He started at 20 and, you know, yeah. then he then he did he won at 32. He beat Riggins to win it at 32 last year and then he won it at 38 this year. So I'll tell you what, I'll tell you another kid that um, I just happened to go to a Iowa freestyle tournament a couple weeks ago. And I'm telling you, if this kid makes a deep run, I will not be surprised. And that's Gable Porter. He has I, he was on my list of kids to ask you about. He has something a little bit like did you ever watch a Greco guy and you're like, he just looks like he knows what the hell he's doing. Like he just he just looks like he's well versed in Greco. You just look at him and and what he's doing. And Gable Porter at that tournament, he looked like a guy that was very much more savvy and comfortable and and natural in freestyle positions and Greco positions. I, I think he's going to have a really successful weekend. Yeah, I have I, I have two thoughts on that. Um, one, it's very easy to pick out the guys in Iowa who are good at Greco or even practice Greco because there's yeah. not many of them. Uh, yeah. <laughs> there's just, there, there's, I, I, you know, talking with Seabolt and, and even a lot of the big game guys, they specifically, they try to focus in a lot more on freestyle and folk style. Cause they know that that's obviously what matters at the next level. But every now and again, you know, Dubuque wrestling club will, will have some Greco guys. Immortal athletics will have some Greco guys. Uh, powerhouse wrestling over there near MWC where Underwood's at, um, where Gable yeah. Porter wrestles, where Alex Thompson okay. wrestles. 
So that's another one that looked, you know, you have that they had cadets and they had juniors and there's a lot of 16 year olds that are wrestling and it might be their third freestyle event ever. <laughs> Gable Porter and, and Thompson's little brother. Yeah. They looked like they just came from a Bulgarian throw camp because they were just tossing people on their heads and they made it look so damn natural. Oh yeah. That Underwood head coach, Joe Stevens, he tells me every year because I'm always like, I love that your guys Russell Greco because Hey, I'm from Kansas city where, you know, Gary Mayabs right down the road. He's huge with USA Greco, you know, every year at the freestyling Greco state tournament for Missouri, Ryan Mango's tossing me on my head. We had Spencer Mango coach our national teams like Greco. I have an appreciation for it. And so when I see guys like Gable Porter, and Alex Thompson, I, I'm always like, Joe, like, I love that your guys wrestle Greco. And he's always like, wrestling's wrestling to us, man. Like, we just, we do it. That's just what we, right? And, you know, yeah. over on the western side of the state, Adam Allard from West Sioux had that tremendous Greco run at Fargo not too long ago. Yep. Um, yep. You know, these guys just, you, yeah, you make a really good point that when, in Iowa especially, when these guys, when you know they wrestle Greco, it is very yeah. easy to pick out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can walk in the building and see the – what Gable Porter was doing that what uh, Thompson was doing. And you could probably, you could probably take all the stickers off a singlet uh, and watch a guy from pinnacle across the room and know he's coached by Brandon Paulson because of the things they do and the comfortability uh, that they have with certain things. Um, him, Zach Dominguez at MWC, their guys are much more. It just looks like they got the reps in, you know. It looks like yeah. they're coached well and they're coached often. Yeah, and when it comes to Greco domestically at the high school level, sometimes that's literally all it takes. <laughs> like, just yeah. if these guys take a day out of the week to practice it, like those are the guys that perform pretty well at Fargo. Yeah. Hundred percent. Well, Porter's one of the guys that I circled, um, but he's also doing both. So he's doing both. So, um, which is which is really good for him on several fronts, because um, I think he can contend to make both teams. I, I wouldn't be surprised um, if he won one or the other. Um, and number two, the way that the system is set up is that. I guess to cut costs, uh, really, they used to take a freestyle team and, and a Greco team to Pan Ams, but now what they do is they take the most aggregate points across both styles. And um, I, think, I think a guy like Gable Porter is in a prime spot to make the Pan Am team. Big opportunity for him. 100%. There were, there were two more names I wanted to ask you about. Sure. Um, before we, well, I guess before the end of the show, but I, two of them, you mentioned one of them, Ben Keeter. And then the other one, um, who's a name that I think, I think you got to know when you were, when you were in Iowa last, Tate Knockleborn. Um, these oh, are two yeah. guys, these are two guys that I know you have very, very high on, you know, they were very high up on your freshman big board. Um, you know, I think I'm pretty sure you still hold them in quite high regard on your sophomore big board. Now that this past year has come and gone. Um, what do you like about those guys and perhaps their odds at, you know, making a push this weekend? Tate, uh, now I haven't updated him in a while because there's been 
not a whole heck of a lot of, uh, of national wrestling. It's mostly been in, inner, intrastate. But as of last update, I had Tate 29th, the 29th best sophomore in the country. And I had Keeter as the ninth best sophomore in the country. Um, and really, out of both of them, I, I – like I said at the top of the show, I – lean towards athleticism and i think both of those guys have those in spades um i mean keeter you tell me what keeter does he like is he all state and everything <laughs> he will be by the time he's done man because he, he's yeah. got that big enough frame and i know city high just brought in a new high school football coach that's very well regarded and, and uh, he was highly sought after around the state here so yeah he's got that he's obviously got the wrestling success he he pals around a lot with uh, gable mitchell which is dan gable's grandson um and he's a baseball star like he's going to college to play shortstop um right. and then i know that the Drake relays, I, this is going to be posted on Thursday. He's running an event or two at the Drake relays. So like, oh, this is, a, yeah, this is well, Ben. Ke ben Keeter's a guy that's going to have, he's on one of the relays. I forget which one, but he's not going to be is, short on options when it comes to trying to figure out what he wants to do with his future. Is he like a, I mean, is he like a sprinter? He, I, Man, I, I want to say he he told me on Monday when I was there, and I forget which four by whatever it is. It might have been the four by four. Fellers told four me by two. Fellers told me a couple times what he ran in, like the forty or something like. He, he gave me some measurement, and to the extent where like the dude's fast. And, yeah, um, but I didn't know he was like sprinter fast. That's great. Yeah, he do, he doesn't look it when you you know he's kind of a longer and lankier dude, yeah. but. You know, yeah. I mean, he's also just – he's a freak athlete. He can do a little bit of everything. Yeah. Do you think – I mean, I'm going into your wheelhouse now, but do you think we – are you scared we lose in the football? <laughs> I, I think that – I especially now that his high school has a, a very good football coach there, I think that's a yeah. possibility, which, yeah. you know, that's a separate conversation about, you know, do you, do you take a partial scholarship? He might be a kid that commands more than a partial scholarship in wrestling, or do you go play football and get your whole academics paid for? That's a, you know, separate conversation, but I think that that door is potentially open now. Yeah, it's tough. Like I said, I have him, I have him number nine and he just pinned the number two overall ranked 195, 220 in the country. So yeah, he, he was up like three Oh, when he got the pin too. Yeah, he just pinned the Super 32 champ. So there's that. <laughs> he, uh, yeah, he's he's a freak athlete. Uh, take Tate Knockaborn. That I mean, that was a state final last year when they were freshmen at 160. Tate stayed at 161. It was able to win it this year over a really tough senior from Valley and Caleb Corbin. Um, yeah, that's another thing that I'm noticing. I, I don't know how this is happening or why this is happening, but more and more – you're getting freshmen and sophomore at the coming in at upper weights, making state finals and winning state titles in power states. I don't get it. It didn't happen 20 years ago in my state or any state. But um, you think about it this year at heavyweight, a freshman made the big school heavyweight state finals in PA. Last year, Jim Mullen, who's in this field, won a state title in New Jersey as a freshman. There's another guy in this field, PJ Casale, who's at 92 kilograms, the same bracket as Keeter. He won a state title as a sophomore at 220. You had knocked apart. I remember tweeting about this. 
You had Nakaborn, Keeter, and there was another freshman or sophomore. I think last year, like of the one, maybe 160 pound finals, like of the six finalists, like four were freshman or sophomore. I, I remember it being abnormal, abnormally young. Yeah, I'm one gonna, of the uh, I think well they would have been sophomores last year, but one of the ten yeah. old twins from Don Bosco was also yeah. in the state finals at sixty. Yeah, uh, you know, and it kind of like jumped off the page at me uh, a year ago in Wisconsin. There was this freshman that won the big school state title at one sixty or one fifty two. So I'm like, wow, this kid! I can't believe it. Right? As a sophomore this year. A freshman beat that sophomore in state finals. I mean, this country, the country is getting really good really earlier, much more so than it used to be in the past. Yeah. Well, hey, I mean, that kind of goes back to, you know, what did bringing back the cadet world team trials do for the country at the high school level, you yeah. know, in, in tandem with JB's run in 2011, 2012, 2013. And, you know, now we're really seeing it, right? All these bigger guys are like, yeah, I can win now for sure. Yeah, yeah, it's good. And I think, you know, even especially for the upper weights, I mean, we're going to lose a Nash Hutmacher. We're going to lose a Ben Keeter. We're going to lose, we're going to lose some of the upper weights to football once in a while. But I think, I think going forward, we, as the sport gets more popular, maybe as, as, the economy around the sport sort of solidifies and it's still not great, but it's, it's getting better. Um, I, maybe it's wishful thinking, but I think that we retain some of the upper weights that we lost to football at, at a better pace than we used to. Well, and I've, I've talked with Tony Cassiope about this. I've talked with, you know, Griffin little about this, who, you know, nationally ranked heavyweight, who's going to go play football. Um, you know, Gabe Greenlee, the guy that he's beaten in the state finals the last couple of years. I've talked with a lot of heavyweights around the state about, you know, hey, five, six, seven, eight years ago, all these super talented heavyweights, are they going to play football or are they sticking around in wrestling? And I'm thinking of guys like Gable Stevenson. I'm thinking of guys like Kyle Snyder, Adam Kuhn, um, you know, I mean, AJ, like AJ Ferrari six years ago. He could be a mean defensive end instead of a badass yeah. wrestler, right? Yeah. I mean, I was really scared we we're going to lose Mason Paris to football. Uh, Adam Kuhn, you're not telling me that he couldn't have been a D lineman on any Division One team. I mean, the guy's a monster that can move. Um, Iowa's Kirk Ferentz told me one time, we were talking about football and wrestling and how there's a connection. He straight up told me one time, he's like, I would not be surprised when his wrestling career is done if he ends up in an NFL camp for a couple of weeks just to see what they have. I, I you know, as much as I want to keep him, um, I think you should try it. You know, Stephen Neal – I don't believe he played football in college at all. No, I don't think he did. Oh, and he, Bill Belichick had the, you know, he's a pretty good football mind. He had a, he had the good fortune of noticing that he could be a, a player for him, you know? Yeah. No, that totally makes sense. So I, 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 you know, that's, it, it's an interesting conversation because there's a part of me that's like, yeah, I want Ben Keeter to wrestle forever because he's a yeah. lot of fun and he's really good. And then there's another yeah. part of me that's like, Okay, dude, if you can get your whole school paid for, go get it, right? Like, you know. I know. I know. Yeah. And you're right. I did I did rub elbows with um I'm I'm forgetting the name. Eric. Eric Nactaborn? Yeah. 
uh, Tate's father and Kane's father. Man, what a really good guy. I was really, you know, that's kind of the part of wrestling. I mean, being in a sport that uh, it's not it's not always about what I write or what goes on in the mat, and it's not always about watching wrestling because I enjoy it. It's about sitting down in a little gym, like literally sitting on my butt next to a mat, and somebody coming and sitting to you, and you make a new friend, right? It, just great people, and um, and you know, I kind of I kind of think that when you have a good support system around you. Like Tate has a good support system. His dad's an awesome dude. I really think um, that that helps that, that that's a, I'm not saying that Tate's going to go on to be a national champion or four time all American. But what I'm saying is um, I think that the, the chances of success are better when you have a good support system around. Yeah. Yeah, well, and, you know, kind of like we were talking about with all the Seabolt guys, and, and you see it with a lot of the big game guys as well, and, and a lot of the clubs around here and, and even around the country, too. I just, you, you know, the kids that have the better shots to go far because you see what they surround themselves with or what they are surrounded with day in and day out. And that absolutely, that makes a huge difference. Absolutely. Yeah. Last question I had for you uh, yeah. of the guys we, we did name, or maybe some of the guys that we didn't name who from Iowa, do you think has could gain the most in terms of recruiting stock, national ranking stock this weekend? I, um, I sort of blew my, I sort of blew my Gable Porter pick. Um, <laughs> I mean, Hey, if it's him, it's him, right? No, let me see if I got, I, I tend to think it's Aiden Riggins, but. Um, let me see who I got. It's going to be, it's tough to not say Caden Riggins or, or Ryder block. Cause you know, if, if, if Jezroga makes a team, I don't think anybody's surprised. Um, but if it, Riggins and block have been hot lately, and if they get on the team, it's like it, – it's just an affirmation, right? Like, okay, that's it. Just yeah. – he's, he's a dude. He's a hammer, right? Yeah, I'm going to go – I'm going to go Gable Porter. I think Gable Porter is going to throw some people on his head and either either up his recruiting stock or, like – get Gary Mayab to get him a permanent bed at the OTC. <laughs> so, Hey, are you going? I will be there. I have to, I'll have to do some Drake relay duties on Friday, but I will be there for the entirety of Saturday. So if Gable makes the Greco team, I'm going to be watching it remotely, but I'll be there when uh, Iowa puts five, six guys on the freestyle team for sure. Cool. Cool. Maybe we can hit a recap show or something like that, or at least uh, have a couple chicken wings. I'm game. I'm game. There's there's some pretty big fights on Saturday night, so we're going to have to find a place to watch that as well. For sure. For sure. Righteous. Willie, I appreciate the time uh, today talking shop about Iowa high school wrestling and the Cadet World team trials. Is there anything else you got for me before I let you go? No. Anytime. You're one of my favorite people in the sport, Cody. You keep doing great things, and anytime. I'm available, buddy. I'll see you this weekend.
Big thanks again to Willie for taking the time. As we mentioned near the end there, I do plan on being in Wisconsin this weekend for the freestyle action. I have to take care of some Drake Relays duties on Friday, so I'll have to watch the Greco tournament remotely, Uh, but I will be up in the Dells bright and early on Saturday to catch all the freestyle action over the weekend. Hopefully watch a few Iowa guys make the team, right? Um, Fingers crossed, because that'd be a really, really cool opportunity for those guys. Again, Greco on Friday, freestyle on both Saturday and Sunday. We'll circle back with the Women's Cadet World Team. That'll be decided down in Texas next month, so we'll keep an eye on that one as well. One last thing for today's show before I sign off. I'm sure you guys have seen it already. Some of you have. Maybe not everybody. I thought I'd get it out here on the podcast as well. Um, I've joined Intermat as the Big Ten correspondent, right? And and I wanted to break down a little bit about what that means for coverage moving forward. Um, In short, my coverage is expanding. Um, I'm not leaving Des Moines. I'm not leaving the Register. I'm not even leaving Iowa, right? You're still going to get your regular coverage that you guys are used to when it comes to the Hawkeye Cyclones, Panthers, high school, small colleges, everything else involved, right? Um, I'm just going to be doing a couple of stories here and there for Intermat um, on the Big Ten Conference, on the wrestlers, on the coaches, on the teams. Um, you know, We'll jump on and do some videos every now and then, talking with Earl Smith, who's now the editor after Willie bought Intermat. Um, and so, you know, once we get into the season, I'll probably do a little bit more, um, you know, just kind of breaking down results. What does it mean? Uh, you know, obviously we'll keep tabs on recruiting and, and this, that, and the next. Um, but it will not interfere with my p- uh, plans that I have for the teams, coaches, wrestlers I already cover, right? Um, when Earl Earl Smith, again, the, the new editor at Intermat, he reached out to me. I thought it was a really cool opportunity to just kind of continue the wrestling covers that I've been doing, right? I, I re- you know, this is really, with Iowa being in the Big Ten, we obviously follow a lot of the Big Ten Conference too, right? we got to keep tabs on the best conference, uh, the best wrestling conference, right? Like we have to know what's going on. The Big Ten Championships is obviously a huge tournament each year and the duels draw eyeballs everywhere, right? Um, this is kind of an opportunity to get that, get to know the conference a little bit better, right? And to also share more stories from around the league that may not get told otherwise. I'm very excited to be joining their team and working alongside all the folks that Earl has either already hired or announced and is plan on announcing more soon, guys. Keep, keep tabs. He's got some big plans in the works. Um, and I think you guys should be excited too. It's going to be fun. Wrestling always is is and it it has been since I've been on the beat and now we're just going to be able to have a lot more fun Um, so I'm very excited Um, I think it's going to be a lot of fun Um, you know you won't see really much change over the summer and then once we kind of break into the season um, that's when uh, we'll we'll start to see a few more things ramp up here Um, but yeah that's you know hey that's I kind of wanted to get that across as well with the with the conversation with Willie that that was the show today guys I appreciate y'all listening Uh, be sure to rate and review the podcast please Apple Podcast Stitcher Spotify Google iHeartRadio wherever you get your shows Uh, follow your boy on Twitter at Cody Goodwin, Instagram Cody J Goodwin. Be sure to also subscribe to the Des Moines Register, guys. Catch all my stories, mailbags, analysis, videos, um, and also, hey, maybe throw a subscription to Intermat. Right, I, they're doing big things, and, and I'm really happy to be a part of it. And it's going to be a lot of fun to kind of see what what we're all able to do here over the next year plus. Um, so yeah, you can find links to do all of that as well as stories from this past week in the show notes. That's it for this episode. Thanks a bunch for listening, you guys. We will talk again soon.